And instead of saying, I'm here because I hate these things about my body, you're there and you're saying, I'm here because I care about myself and I want to take care of myself. Huge, huge change in the motivation behind why you're working out. And people want to take care of themselves. That's, an, that's, a, that's a great place to be and it's a long-term place to be. Welcome back to the Whole Mamas Podcast. We're here to give you tools, resources, and evidence-based information so you can make the best decisions for yourself and your family. Whether you're trying to conceive or are navigating life with a toddler or a teenager, we've got you covered. I'm Stephanie Gorinke, registered dietitian and program director for Whole30's Whole Mamas Club. I'm also the co-creator of Whole30's Pregnancy Program, where I teach moms how to navigate the endless decisions regarding pregnancy. I'm also creating their postpartum program. And my co-host is Dr. Ilana Romel, pediatric naturopathic doctor and creator of Med School for Moms, an online resource where she teaches moms how to safely be a doctor mom. I am so excited to share today's episode with you. I was invited to be a guest on the Mind Pump podcast to talk to three male personal trainers about preconception, pregnancy, and postpartum. I'll share a link to that interview in the show notes if you'd like to listen, but after doing my interview on their show, I knew I had to bring them on to talk to you about getting back into fitness. I've come to know and trust the hosts of the Mind Pump podcast after listening to their podcast for over a year and meeting them in person. When it comes to fitness, I'm super picky about who we bring on the show. There are a lot of programs out there that I find to be more harmful than helpful. There's a lot of over-promising and fitness plans designed by individuals without the credentials and years of experience to do so. We've had female personal trainers focus on diastasis and postpartum fitness that I admire on the show, such as Jesse Mundell. And this week, I want to bring you fitness information from a different but equally respectable perspective as it applies to getting started on a fitness plan after time off. Before we jump into the episode, I'd like to thank our podcast partner, Tessie Mays. If you're doing a September Whole30 or just want help in the kitchen with your meal preps, you will love their variety of dressings, marinades, condiments, and salad kits. I love that their products are available in so many stores where you're probably already shopping. From online stores like Thrive Market to large warehouses like Walmart to local grocery stores like Ralph's, Wegmans, Giant, and Safeway to even smaller health food stores like Fresh Time and Sprouts, you can easily snag a bottle to try next time you're shopping. And can we just talk about their everything but the bagel dressing? It is unreal. I talked about my love for their green goddess dressing on the last episode, but their everything but the bagel dressing holds a close second place. It's a perfect addition to your morning breakfast scramble. Just pair roasted cube sweet potatoes and eggs with a drizzle of everything but the bagel dressing and be prepared for a flavor explosion in your mouth with minimal prep required. Are you not into tons of flavor in the morning or do you prefer a more basic breakfast? You might enjoy their ketchup that's sweetened with dates instead of sugar. I even use their ketchup in my meatloaf for a hit of extra flavor without additional steps or refined sugar. And right now, Tessie Mays is offering our listeners a great deal. If you visit their website at tessiemays.com, you can score 15% off your entire purchase by using code WHOLEMAMAS15. That's W-H-O-L-E-M-A-M-A-S-15. This offer ends September 30th, so you don't want to miss out. All right, now on to the show. All right, well, I am so excited to be here today with the three leading experts in personal training, my friends from Mind Pump. And 
why I decided to bring them on the podcast was because we are approaching the season where our kids are going back to school. We may be re-engaging in some healthy eating patterns and exercise patterns, but there may have been a delay from when we had those patterns to where we are now. And we might want to re-spark our fitness routine, our health routine. And when it comes to the world of fitness and personal training, there's a lot of different ways that we can approach it. And these guys are by far the most, you know, researched. They understand the behavioral psychology of fitness. And I wanted to bring them on the show because they have over 50 years of combined experience in the world of fitness and personal training. And we don't have a whole lot of testosterone on our show. So I wanted to bring them on, get their perspective and really share what they're up to. If you're interested in fitness, I think you really should know what they are doing over on their channel. So Welcome to the show. Thanks for having Thank us you. on. Yeah. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Steph. Yeah. So one of the things that we ask all of our guests to share is what they are currently doing to nourish themselves. And when we say the word nourish, we think about what we're physically doing and what we're mentally doing to take care of ourselves. And it could be as simple as taking an extra five minutes in the shower one day to going and maybe not for you, but going to the spa or doing something that's really self-indulgent. Hey, I love to do that <laughs> all the time. That's right. Right. So I would just love to hear what you have done today or what you're planning on doing today to take care of yourself. Uh, I actually have two new uh, behaviors that I'm trying to create for myself. One of those being uh, swimming. So I'm swimming a thousand meters about every other day right now in the pool. And, and then I've started a uh, gratitude journal. Uh, those two practices are something that I've just started doing for about, I'm about two months in. And I've seen uh, a lot of really cool things. And the swimming thing for me, uh, first of all, was really uh, new because I was not into, I'm not a cardio guy by any means. Uh, we, we talk a lot about strength training and the benefits of that. And uh, most of my exercise is centered around weightlifting and or it used to be playing basketball or doing sports like snowboarding. Uh, but never have I got into a pool with the intention of, of uh, cardiovascular exercise. Um, and it's been incredible. It's been incredible. I've noticed a huge difference uh, in mobility, uh, joint health. Um, and the, the thing that I didn't see coming from it is the, the meditative side of it. Mm -hmm. um, we're in this world now where we're, we're connected to all this, these digital products, your iPhone, your TVs. And, you know, it's, sometimes it's really difficult to, to get unplugged for a while. And I'm seeing the benefits of that, of just being by myself in a pool of water, underwater, um, where I'm not being distracted by anything else. And it, it, even though I'm doing something that's cardiovascular, it's not really intense. And it has it gives me the ability to kind of meditate on the day and what I'm getting ready for. And then at the end of the night, one of the things that I do before bed is I do a, a gratitude journal where I just list five things that I'm, I'm grateful for. Uh, typically, I try and think about something in that day. Um, and those two things have been great. So in line with the, the nourish, I would say that's something that I'm currently doing right now that I'm, uh, I'm enjoying and I'm, it's a new practice and I see a lot of benefits coming from that. Mm. I think that's great. Yeah. I love so, it. So for, for me... Uh, you, Fitness and health has been uh, a part of my life for a very, very long time. And through this process, through my process of going through that, uh, I realized more and more how many things fall into that sphere. So it used to be when I first started, it was lift weights and eat the right macronutrients for performance, proteins, fats, carbs. Then later on, it became 
learning how to do those things for overall health and wellness. Then it became, oh, sleep is a part of that. And so was my attitude and my relationships with the people around me. And now I'm starting to realize that a spiritual practice is also part of uh, the overall health and wellness sphere. Uh, it's the spiritual practice is what seems to be giving me a new sense of meaning uh, to, to the rest of my life. You know, life is hard for everybody, I think. And the spiritual practice that I'm now pursuing is starting to help uh, with all of the difficulties of life, all the challenges of life. And so I've been doing things like, I'm, you know, I've been going to, and I'm not any particular religion at this point, but I've been going to church and I've been uh, reading books and, and watching videos more on that side of, of things and doing things with, an, you know, doing it with an open mind. And um, I'm pretty amazed at how it's improved my overall quality of life. And it's crazy when you read some of these books, uh, some of these old ancient books, you know, like the, the main religions of the world, for example, those are old books. Or you read, you know, some of the stuff written by, you know, shaman or spiritual leaders, you see this kind of common thread of wisdom through all of them. And it's a different type of truth than the typical scientific truth that I think we place so much value on in modern Western societies. I know I was all about scientific truth and I never even considered uh, that side of things. But now that I'm looking into that kind of stuff, it's really, really interesting. Like I'm finding the value, like I, I understood the value, for example, of abstinence when it came to food. Uh, you know, as a personal trainer, I knew that really enjoying food did not mean eating whatever you wanted all the time. It meant sometimes you ate the things for their hedonistic value, you know, for the, how much you enjoyed eating them. But it also may, meant many times eating things for their nutritional value or for the how, how they made you feel physically uh, or, uh, you know, the context, right? Like I'm, I'm eating this cake because it's my, my kid's birthday. And so that brings a different type of value, for example. But I never understood that with other types of things. And when you read some of the, the ancient wisdom of these spiritual practices, you find that that applies to lots of different things, whether it be, you know, any kind of practice, whether it be sex, for example, um, how you can have healthy sex life and what that looks like. And it's not just about having lots of fun sex, but it's also about uh, connecting with your partner, for example. So, and that's just one example. But um, for me, this is a new thing and it's, it's totally chain, changing the way I view total health and well, uh, wellness. Hmm. I've been really getting into exfoliating. <laughs> um, it's a new thing for me <laughs> using the scrub and all that. Um, and as well, uh, as well as that, I, I also really like to be outside because like, as you can see in the studio, like we're not getting any sunlight. Um, and it, it's somewhat institutional in, in terms of like the way I feel is different, uh, being in here versus outside. And so my biggest focus as of now that the, the weather's getting better, um, is to take even my workouts outside. And so I've actually tried to structure, uh, around my house, like ways that I could do that with, uh, various tools and, uh, make it more fun and enjoyable. And then like include, uh, my kids with me and, and make it like a fun event out of that. And that, that really helps me to, uh, you know, f I get a lot of benefit from that. Um, as well as, um, just spending like, if, if I'm going to spend alone time by myself, I really like, I really enjoy music and that's been a big passion of mine forever. And so, uh, I used to play guitar and it's been a bit of a struggle getting back into it. Cause it's like, 
uh, something I haven't done for a long time. I've just been getting back into it and uh, really enjoying it. So I, I've taken time aside now to kind of just be in my office by myself and just, um, you know, come get that creative side out and just kind of play and, and, and spend some, some alone time with that. And then, you know, get sort of recharged and come back and, and, and help contribute to the family and stuff. So. I just love your answers. It's really cool when we ask that question. We get across the board, just a wide range of things. We get, you know, sipping tea, but to hear a guy's perspective is really cool. And also to see the spiritual component come up and the fact being with your kids nourishes you and, and these type of things that we haven't heard before. So thank you for sharing those cool. things. Yeah. Now, one of the things that brought Dr. Elon and I to create the podcast was we saw a ton of misinformation and, you know, in regarding health and wellness. And we wanted to provide our perspective, both from a professional standpoint, she's a naturopathic doctor, I'm a dietitian, and also our experiences as moms. And we wanted to disrupt the kind of the industry that was out there. And that's what you guys are doing with Mind Pump is taking all of the information that's out there and highlighting what's actually valid. So what was the final straw for you that made you decide to create what you've created now, which, which is the podcast and your Mind Pump media company that provides programs and tons of information. Well, wow. Yeah. A final straw. Yeah, Cause we've been doing that for a long time. We just mm -hmm. did it in different forms, right? We were, okay. we were managing gyms or managing trainers or training clients ourselves. And a lot of what you do, if you're a personal trainer, at least if you're a good trainer who has a deep passion for helping people is exactly that because you'll have clients who are going to come to you and are going to say, I heard low carb is best. I heard low fat is best. I heard, you know, this type of exercise is going to work for me and I need to do high reps or I need to do low reps. So a lot of what you're doing is communicating what's really effective and what's really effective for that individual and helping them with the behavior modifications to make those things lifelong changes. Because the, the big, big, big problem with the fitness industry is they, they do a, a kind of a good job of getting people excited and motivated uh, but they do a terrible job at teaching people how to maintain these behavioral changes long term. I mean, if you did a, a huge survey of 100 people or, or 1,000 people or 10,000 people, you find a large percentage of them at one point in their life had started a fitness program or at one point in their life had started trying to eat healthier. But you would also find with the second question that most all of them uh, stopped at one point. Mm -hmm. And so that's the, the big problem. And so Mind Pump is just an extension of that. We're just able to reach uh, more people. Um, and the idea came up, you know, I got on the phone. We didn't really know each other before we started Mind Pump, um, but uh, I, I knew of these guys. We were all top performers in, in our local area. And so I knew of these guys, respected them, just didn't know them personally. And uh, to make a long story short, uh, Adam and I had been in contact. We got on the phone. Um, and we were talking about a program I had created and we all decided to meet. And that's when the idea for putting it on air and using media as a way to reach more people uh, came to be. And this this form of media was perfect for us because mm -hmm. we're so anti, you know, the bull crap. We're so anti the, the false promises, anti the most supplements uh, that there's no way in hell we would have gotten sponsored to do this in any other form. And the cool thing about podcasting is you don't need much to get it started and anybody can put their voice out there. So we're like, okay, this will be perfect for us. We can tell the truth mm -hmm. and that's okay if we don't get paid because it's, we don't need to get paid. We can do this for free. I think it also gave us a, it gave us a platform to discuss the things that I think that we came and figured out in the years of training. Like there was a lot of stuff that we did that 
I know was wrong or wasn't really helping people. And I didn't learn that until later on. Like, you know, there's a, you could read studies all day long and you can get all these certifications. And then what you end up finding out is you like to Sal's point, you know, how many of these people actually, you know, keep the weight off or stay healthy long-term and any really good trainer that's been training for a long time starts to figure out is, holy crap, like all this information is great. But if I can't get these people to make behavioral changes over this, none of this matters. And so we really like to talk to the the psychological piece. And so, you know, and because we have all the experience, because we have the education in the background, we can also talk to the science piece. But what I feel like the science community does is they do a really poor job of in, including that piece of it. The the psychological piece, in, in our opinion, is is greater than even that because, you know, we've said this many times before that, you know, a program, a, a poor program done consistently is better than the best program done inconsistently. And that speaks to the behavioral piece and the psychological piece. And so, you know, you have a couple of meathead looking bro guys that are coming out and talking about yeah. feelings and behavior. <laughs> and I really think that was kind of our, our secret sauce was I think you expect something different to come out of our mouths. And then you hear like us starting to talk about these other things, but I think we were the right people to do it. I think you expect that when you tune in or you, you meet some yoga hippie person who's talking about it, but you don't expect that from a couple of jacked looking bro dudes talking about, but I think that was our main message was the, we've divided these groups for so long and there's so much value in both of them. And we're trying to merge both health and wellness with like performance and looking great. It all should meld together. Yeah. And that was really the mission of my, here's a good example of uh, what we're talking about, Stephanie. So I can either, I can communicate to people, Foods that they probably shouldn't eat. Uh, and of course, it's different from person to person. But I could say, hey, these foods aren't really good for you. Not, a, you know, don't eat these foods. And, and, and that's fine. That's information. And a lot of us have that information. But the hard part now is getting that person to not eat those foods long term or forever. So it's the motivation behind it. And so what, what ends up happening is a lot of times people will they'll be at a party and somebody will offer them some cookies, for example. And they'll say, mm, I can't have those cookies. I can't, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to be eating healthy or whatever, and I can't do that. That is an example of a behavior or at least an attitude around food that is not, it's not going to stick around long term. So you have to change that. So by saying I can't, like, what do you mean you can't? Of course you can. You can do whatever you want. It's your body. Um, why don't we change that to I don't want to? And so when I communicate to this, peop this to people and I say to them, you're saying you can't, but in reality, you don't want to. And then they'll come back at me and be like, no, but I want to. But like, actually, you don't because you're not eating them. You're acknowledging that you'll enjoy the hedonistic value of the cookie. You're acknowledging that it tastes good and that you'll want to experience that. But you're also acknowledging that you don't want to eat the cookie because of all these other factors. It's not uh, good for my health right now. Maybe I'm avoiding sugar at the moment. Maybe my diet uh, needs to be a little bit more strict because... I haven't been eating very good. Whatever your reasoning is, the reality is you don't want to eat that cooking. It's okay to acknowledge that it tastes good. That switch right there makes all the difference in the world. Here's another one. Most people work out because there's something about themselves that they hate. Uh, I hate my, I have fat on my legs or I have a fat stomach or I hate that I'm too skinny so I need to build muscle. I hate the way I perform so I need to... That will motivate you only for so long. You can only live in an environment of self-hate for so long before you rebel against your own self-hate. And that rebellion looks like the exact opposite, which is 
uh, you know, why'd you stop working out? Oh, I, I, you know, I just want to live my life and enjoy myself. So I stopped working out. That's a person who rebelled against self-hate. Now, what if you went to the gym and instead of saying, I'm here because I hate these things about my body, you're there and you're saying, I'm here because I care about myself and I want to take care of myself. Huge, huge change in the motivation behind why you're working out. And people want to take care of themselves. That's an, that's a, that's a great place to be. And it's a long-term place to be. And it will also motivate you in more appropriate ways. Think about the ways we work out when we hate ourselves. It's punishment. I'm going to beat the crap out of myself. I ate a burrito yesterday. I'm going to go until I can't move anymore versus taking care of myself. Wow, I had a stressful day. Didn't sleep good last night. The baby was up all night. I'm at the gym, though. I'm going to take care of myself. You know what? Because I'm stressed and I'm tired, a hard workout, that's not going to be good for me. What I need is yoga and some meditation or some stretching and some mobility. Or I have lots of energy. Today, taking care of myself means I'm going to get after it in the gym. Completely different attitude. One of them is going to serve you long term. The other one is going to fall apart in a short period of time, even for the most motivated, dogmatic individuals. At some point, hating yourself is not going to be tolerable. So let's say somebody is listening to this and they're identifying that they have done some kind of exercise program before where they went too hard, too fast, or they did something that they didn't like or it wasn't sustainable for them. If they came into your your gym or they started to talk to you about how do I create a sustainable fitness program, what would that look like? How would you get them started? Because we do have moms that they they had their baby and they've kind of pushed off getting back in the gym. Or maybe they're in the preconception period and they know that they really want to start their fitness routine to support their pregnancy, but they just don't know where do I even start? How do I choose a program? How do I choose a level that is right for me? How do I prevent injury and keep this sustainable? So first of all, the the thing that I have to communicate to them right away is that more does not always equal more. Yeah. Or better. Yeah. Just period. More does not mean more results. I mean, and I think with fitness, we have all this motivation and, uh, you know, beast mode and no days off and this, you know, push it mentality to uh, get to your goal. And in fact, a lot of times our body re- rebels and and it doesn't give us and doesn't give us what we want. And so the message when I have somebody first coming in is that our goal is this. If our goal is to physically change your body, whether you want to build some muscle or you want to lose body fat or you just want to improve with overall health, our goal is to do as little as possible mm-hmm. to elicit the most amount of change. And that should be the goal throughout the entire program. We are far better off leaning towards less than we are leaning towards more. We can always add to your routine. We can always add more intensity. It's really tough to go the other direction. And so, you know, in in my experience, it's rare that I would meet somebody when they first get started on their their fitness program that they they underdo it. I mean, you got to think of this. Mm -hmm. If you weren't working out, you weren't eating good. Because most people that come and hire a personal trainer, what's happened is um, they've fallen off the wagon or they've been eating poorly for a, a long period of time. They haven't been exercising and now they're motivated, whatever the reason may be, and they're getting get in the gym and I'm going to pay for a personal trainer because I, I value that. And they go, okay, let's get it now. Kick my ass. Let's get in shape. And it's like, mm-hmm. no, it's we don't need to do that. Just last week, you weren't really doing anything. So I want to start to add things into your routine more importantly, to create behavioral change. So I'm always thinking to somebody, whatever I start to implement into you nutritionally or exercise-wise, 
are these habits that you can do long-term? And so mm -hmm. that's why I always lean towards as little as possible. I remember sometimes I would get a client that's just getting started and haven't done anything. And the entire 45 minutes to an hour of working out with me is just working on a squat trying mm -hmm. to squat better, working on their movement and their mobility for the entire hour on just perfecting that one movement and treating it like a skill saying, okay, we're going to get good at this yeah. and we're going to practice this for a while. And there's nothing wrong with just doing that two to three times a week to get started and then building around that. So, a lot of times that's way more than what they were currently doing. Right. And, you know, to, to the point of like the on off switch and like how people view even nutrition or exercise. And it's always like, it's this wagon that we construct like, okay, so I'm on and now I'm off. I'm on and now I'm off. And it, it, it's, it's one of those things where if you can actually take yourself out of that whole situation, there's no wagon, there's no more wagon. Like, like we're so hard on ourselves all the time, uh, that we're not accomplishing what we want to accomplish and, and we're not at our goal yet. Uh, but it, it's, it's a step-by-step -step process. It's a day-to-day, -day, uh, occurrence of, you know, well, what can I do? What can I do consistently? That is the first thing. Like it, it's those few things that you know that you're going to get those wins and you're going to start stacking it up. And that's what actually builds momentum. It's not that that post that you just saw on Instagram that looked awesome and, and some, you know, person is is in this incredible shape and, and is is doing all these things, which we love to look at. I mean, that's there is some inspiration behind that. However, bringing that into your own uh, experience, your own perspective, uh, we, we don't find a lot of value in that. And that's because it's the process of actually like building that momentum is to be able to start stacking those chips. And you have to do that you know, very reasonably in, in, in a way where, uh, you're accomplishing little things and, and you're building it up to where now, Oh, look at this. Now I've actually, I'm, I've been consistent for this long and my workouts are doing, you know, amazing things for me. Yeah. Ex exercise, all exercise does is it, is it sends a signal to the body for the body to adapt. That's all it does. So if you're building muscle or you're getting stronger or you're burning body fat or your fitness is improving, it's because your body is adapting to what's whatever signals you're sending it, okay? Your body has a limited ability to adapt to these signals, and you can easily overwhelm your body with these signals, okay? So consider exercise as a stress on the body. You're walking into the gym. You haven't worked out for however many weeks, six weeks. Maybe it's been months. Uh, maybe it's been years. Now you're in the gym. You want to send a signal to your body to get it to adapt. Doesn't take much. Doesn't take much at all. If I if I use the analogy of another type of adaptation of the body, if we use the skin, for example, when you go out in the sun, the sun provides a stress on the skin. The skin darkens uh, to adapt to the sun. So you can, you can stand out in the sun longer. You're basically adapting to the sun. If you've been in your basement for three years and then you go outside, doesn't take much sun to get your skin to darken. In fact, if you stay out in the sun for too long, which might not be that long at all, you're going to get a sunburn. Um, and then you're going to inhibit your body's ability to adapt. Well, this is what happens with exercise as well. So if you go to the gym and you haven't been doing much and you do too much, you in essence are giving your body a sunburn, but in the fitness sense, and you will actually halt your progress. Your body will not progress nearly as fast because you've overwhelmed your body's ability to adapt. Mm. And all it's doing at that point is trying to heal. Now you're peeling and, and itchy. Right. <laughs> and healing is not the same as adapting. They're actually two different things. There's the recovery process. Then there's the adaptation process. And, and they do happen oftentimes at the same time, but they're not the same thing. And if you push too hard, and this is very individual, 
Very so for someone who's very very fit, pushing too hard looks a lot different than someone who's who hasn't worked out in a long time. But if you push too hard, your body will prioritize recovery and not adaptation. It just wants to heal. So it, what that looks like. You go to the gym, you get super sore, go back to the gym, you get super sore, go back to the gym, get super sore, no progress. All you're doing is getting really, really sweaty and real, real sore, and you're putting a lot of work, you're spinning your tires in the dirt, body's not progressing. So the reality is besides the behavior aspect, besides the longevity aspect, you're just not gonna get in shape any faster mm -hmm. if you do too much too fast. Hey mama, Stephanie here. Are you overwhelmed with all the information out there regarding pregnancy and prenatal health? We get it, so I want to take a minute to share about our Whole Mamas Pregnancy Program. Our program includes over 20 videos discussing topics from nutrition to exercise, mental health, sleep, conversations to have with your partner as you approach birth, and so much more. Each video has suggested reading, action steps, and handouts to help you dive deeper into the topic and apply what you've learned. Our weekly pregnancy emails guide you through the program each week of your pregnancy. They're the only weekly service that focuses on the nutrients you and your growing baby need and provides simple recipes using that unique nutrient. You also get a short checklist of things to do each week to help you prepare for baby and take care of yourself. We want to help you spend more time enjoying your pregnancy and less time searching for answers. Want answers and support to your burning pregnancy-related questions immediately from the comfort of your own home? Then you'll love our safe, non-judgmental community within the pregnancy program. It's my favorite corner of the internet, and many of our members agree. To find out more, visit wholemamasclub.com and click on Join Programs. No, I really appreciate that you're talking about the behavioral aspect of it, because I think that's a huge part is how do you get started and how do you create something that becomes a habit so it's automatic? And one of the questions that I got from our community when it came to bringing you guys on the show was, what can I do to get that least effective dose? You know, I'm a busy mom. I don't have a whole lot of time. What makes sense for me to do to still get results, but not have to spend hours in the gym? Mm. And what I hear you're saying is that if you don't have a fitness background, if you haven't been working out for a while, it doesn't really take a whole lot. And you're going to see changes by moving your body and just implementing walks or going to do a workout maybe two to three times a week and building from there, kind of shooting for uh, an amount going to the gym or working out a week that seems like it may not be enough is actually probably more than you think. And then just layering on what you can, when you can, when it's realistic, right. but you're still going to get results. So I think the the question is, you know, how do we find a program that is something that we like to do or, you know, that makes sense within our context. And one of the things I talk about with moms is that if you are not sleeping, if you are really stressed, this stage of your life may not be the best time to do really high intensity workouts that you're pushing yourself because not only is that going to be really taxing on your body, but you're, you might not have the best alignment and movement patterns because you're just fatigued all over. And I think moms have a hard time figuring out, well, what do I even like? You know, what do I even want to do and what's going to be effective? Mm. And I know we're huge fans of resistance training, but how do you find or how do you help someone find something that that's something that they love and they can be consistent with from that perspective. So it's really rare. It's actually quite rare that I recommend a very high intensity workout to a new mom. Um, you have to look at the, the context of the situation. Oftentimes there's lack of sleep when you're a new mom. Um, oftentimes you're, you're coming out of an inactive period. You've probably uh, been told by your doctor that you can't exercise for at least six weeks after having uh, a baby. Um, and so it's just not a great time to throw high intensity exercise at, at, at the body when the body is already under lots of stress and 
deconditioned because remember exercise is a stress and your body treats all stresses similarly. In other words, if I have a very, very high stress life and then I go through a more stress on my body, even if it's in the form of exercise, um, that could and oftentimes will result in worse health, which looks like hormone imbalances. Uh, it looks like yeah, loss of muscle, my body's propensity, or at least it's, uh, it wants to gain more body fat. Because remember, your body looks at body fat like it's a insurance policy. So if I'm, if I'm under a lot of stress, it's gonna, wheels are going to be moving into motion to want to store more body fat. So it makes things a lot more difficult. Oftentimes, after having a baby, the goal is to train appropriately. The workouts tend to be slower, and there's a heavy focus on uh, strength training, but appropriate strength training. And what I mean by that is straight sets. You do a set of, and this doesn't have to be with weights. It could just be with body weight, like Adam said. But it's like I do a set, and then I rest for a minute, and then I do another set, and I rest for a minute. And what that does is it allows your metabolism to speed back up, strengthens your body back up, and prepares your body. Um, for maybe more intense uh, workouts down the line. But I, I can't think of one time where I took, and I know what's happening. There's people listening right now who are like, oh, you know what? After I had my baby, my favorite workouts afterwards were the super high intense versions because they, they were so stress relieving. What you're feeling is a, a, a rush of cortisol um, and cortisol feels good. Cortisol is a, a stress hormone. It releases energy in the body. And these are cortisol junkies. I like to refer to people who love this cortisol feeling. And so you feel normal because you get this burst of cortisol and it gives you more energy. But really what you're doing is no different than somebody with uh, insulin issues is you're spiking this cortisol throughout your day or whatever with the intense workouts, the lack of sleep, the, the stress that eventually your body stops responding to cortisol the way it used to and you start to develop uh, problems. So I recommend most, almost all people after they have a baby um, to look at exercise as a nourishing, recuperative thing, not a tear down, break your body, sweat like crazy type of thing. Yeah, really good points. And now I want to touch on the fact that a lot of times we're targeted these 12-week programs that we can do that are promising us all these results. So, you know, not saying that they're bad necessarily, but like these programs that are being targeted to new moms or really just to the general public, what are some things that we should look out for? Some considerations, some red flags that they may be more harmful than helpful for us? Mm. Who, well, I would look at who designed the program. Is it somebody who is actually a trainer who's trained lots of people? You want a trainer with experience because, I mean, I've held certifications and I have some education in, in, in fitness. But uh, what you learn through training hundreds of people is you can't learn that through, uh, through courses. So look, look at who wrote the program. Also, does the program come with a correctional exercise component? Uh, do they place an emphasis on proper movement? Or is it just a fun, energetic, sweat, crazy, do all kinds of different things workout? Those are the workouts you typically want to stay away from. They're not programmed properly. All their... All they're putting into the workout is how fun and motivating it looks. Um, kind of like processed food, like all the money that goes into processed food is to make it taste good. Mm. A lot of the money that goes into these programs is to make it appear fun and exciting and very little thought goes into proper exercise uh, programming. So those are the big, big components. If you want something really structured and you want to follow a plan and a program, we have a program called Map Starter, which is the probably definitely our most ideal program for uh, post-pregnancy, right when you're getting back into fitness type of a workout and utilizes things like physio ball, unilateral work. You, you, all you need are dumbbells uh, and body weight. Uh, but you'll see if you follow the program, it literally takes you from 
deconditioned to the point where at the end of it, then you can start to go into your more, uh, you know, your gym workouts. I don't, oh, sorry. I would also be careful of uh, people that use the the transformation photos as their, their, <laughs> their marketing tool. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, our marketing team hates us that we, we refuse to do this because they know how powerful that is for sales is to show the before and afters. But it's been important to us since day one that the message that we want to convey is not do this program and you can look this crazy, ridiculous of a difference. It's like there's such a, a, a genetic difference between every single person. And that's not the overall message that we're trying to present to people. And so beware of that. I mean, beware of somebody that is uh, promoting their program through just transformation photos as their selling point to mm-hmm. you and look for the meat and potatoes of it, of why this program is really good for me and what are the things that I'm going to get out of it and is it is it individualized for myself? That's one of the most complicated parts of what we did. And I know you have a, a support group, a forum that goes with your guys' business. We highly recommend things like that. We, we saw that as necessary for us. If we were going to write a program that was for the masses, um, how could we do that and have integrity if we didn't uh, provide a place for people to modify it? Mm-hmm. And we use that private forum for that. So anybody that gets a, that program like that, you have this ability to get into a private forum. Inside our private forum, you have access to not only the three of us, but other doctors and nutritionists and movement specialists. So you can then come on there and share like, oh, well, I have this going on for me, or I had this surgery, or I have, I feel this when I do that. So then we can modify or adjust things because, you know, when it comes to personal training, I don't think I ever ran the same exact program with two people. And I've trained probably thousands of people now. I, you definitely have to have the ability to individualize it for that person. And so that's something that I would be aware of also is the inability to modify it. If it's a cookie cutter written program that you got and then your girlfriend Susie got it and your friend Mike is running it, how could it really be that custom for you? So look for things like that for people that actually provide for if you're do if you're buying online and you're not actually getting a trainer one on one, you want to be able to to modify for yourself if you can. So I shouldn't just buy a program because the person selling it is really hot. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Unfortunately, they should, they should have credentials. Right. right. That's what okay. we. That's what we see in this. Probably this, not going to work out. Those this, are some of the worst programs because even, even if the pro, first off, oftentimes they didn't design the program themselves. But let's say they did, mm. and it's this fit, you know, shredded Instagram celebrity. They, for, I've met a lot of these people. We've been in the space for a long time. You're looking at a, a much higher percentage of people with. Poor relationships to food, poor relationships to exercise, oftentimes either genetically gifted on anabolic steroids or other drugs. These people are not healthy and they have no business training other people. Maybe they did learn how to train their own body. But look, I tell you what, after 20 years of training people, there is a massive difference between how some people react to some exercises and how other people react to other exercises. And I know that I can't just design a program based off of how I train my body. Mm. It's just not going to work. So definitely not. Definitely don't look at the ones that are just by the Insta celebrities. Okay, cool. Especially Kardashians. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I would love to hear... From some of your most successful clients that you've worked with, what are some of the key characteristics or key habits that they have that have made them successful? Uh, You know, what's funny Uh is, and that's why I kind of briefly touched on the walking and step thing. And I think probably part of that is I feel guilty from early years as a trainer. I remember in my early 20s when I first started training, 
clients and one of the, one of the park you questions is, you know, do you, what do you do for fitness or activity now? And if somebody said that they walked for fitness, I would scoff at them like, oh, <laughs> that's not working out. That's not fitness. And in reality, and I don't know if this is just because of modern times now and because we are getting to the point where you literally could sit on your couch all day long, be productive at work, have your food delivered to you and never move. Uh, at w why that's so important. It, when I started getting my clients to just track and see their steps and their movement for the day and just become aware of it. Mm -hmm. Like we don't need to make a big deal about it. It's not the end all be all. It's not about what step counter is better than another. Like don't get all crazy like that. I always tell people like it doesn't matter if it's 92% accurate or 86. The idea is that you have something to give you some sort of feedback because uh, most people, and I'm talking 90% plus, are completely oblivious to how much movement and activity they truly have in, on a daily basis. And so for me, one of the biggest game changers is one of the most simple things ever, which is just making them aware of their, their lack of movement and trying to create better habits around them. Yeah, for me, the most successful clients, uh, the characteristics that I would see in them, were people who learn to compare themselves to themselves and not uh, to other people. Mm -hmm. And what you find with people like this is that they progress slowly, but they always progress versus the, I need to be, you know, I, I want to compete with this other person or I'm not looking as good as this other individual. It was, oh, wow, I, I was able to do one more rep this week than last week. And, oh, wow, you know, I'm drinking only water now, whereas before I was also throwing in some soda. And, oh, now I'm adding a little bit of vegetables. And that small change, that small consistent change, because they're just comparing themselves to themselves over the course of one or two or three years turns out to be massive change. And these are people who are just stay consistent forever. I, I, I know one story in particular, I had a client who came in and she was seeing me, she had, uh, she had uh, just beaten uh, cancer and she came to see me and she had some bad experiences with physical therapists and whatnot. And she told me, she says, I'm only going to work out once a week. So if you tell me I need to work out more than that, then I'm not going to train with you. And I'm gonna I'm not going to change my diet. I'm like, no problem. I will work with once a week. And so we started with that. Well, over the course of four years, this woman went from working out once a week to working out five days a week. This was all on her. She was the one that told me every time she wanted to do more. She was working out five days a week and her diet looked completely different. That was small changes over, that, over the course of that period of time. Those are the most successful clients, the ones that understand that it's a small but permanent changes that they do consistently that make the biggest long-term change. The ones that tend to not succeed are the ones that want to see results yesterday and they'll do everything to get results yesterday and then nothing ever sticks. And those are the ones that you tend to see who come and go and, and end up not getting the results that they want long-term. Yeah, so I think the theme here is making it a habit by picking something that you can consistently do that's not overtaxing your system, that is fun, that is building up on habits one at a time, whether that's just starting with walking and then going to the gym or going to the gym and then adding on more days. So I want to wrap up with one question. And this question is a huge barrier, which prevents a lot of people from getting to the gym, especially new moms, is from a... They don't want to leave the baby or they don't want to leave the baby with their partner or their husband because they don't want to inconvenience him or her for whatever reason. And so, you know, sometimes 
it's nice to hear from a, a male perspective. Like, what are your thoughts when your loved one or when your loved one will ask to go to the gym? Is that an inconvenience for you or do you fully support her decision Wish she would have asked more? Oh, geez. Oh, yeah. yeah, no, it's, it, it, I have two kids and I, I absolutely loved it. I think sometimes we, either because we don't have as much experience with children or because we're told that we're not necessarily as good. We might be a little afraid, mm. um, but what builds confidence is the trust. So like, hey, I trust you to watch the baby. And, but if you do the whole like, oh, but it's gotta be this way and it's yeah. gotta, that might in, you know cause a little bit of fear. But you know, you can't pour from an empty cup. So y if you wanna be the great parent, you gotta be healthy and you gotta feel good yourself. So this has gotta be a priority. It has mm -hmm. to be, raising children's not easy. It's hard, especially a baby takes a lot of energy, emotional energy. It takes a lot of physical energy. Um, and so if you're not taking care of yourself uh, it, to, to build that energy and that health, it's going to make things very difficult for you. But as a, from a male perspective, we love the kids just as much as you do. And we trust us with, you know, with the baby. So say, hey, I'm going to go work out for an hour. Have a good time. I'll be back. Don't do the whole call me if something goes wrong. And if there's mm -hmm. an emergency, like... Uh, we're, we're fully capable. Um, leave us, do your thing, take care of yourself, come back. You'll feel great. We'll feel like we did something awesome. We'll build more confidence to do it again next time and everything will work out better. Not only that, but what Justin was saying um, that I think was a really, and he, it felt like he was having a hard time getting it off his tongue there, but it was that trying to help connect, the, yeah, yeah, <laughs> help connect the dots other than just, you know, weight loss or muscle gain. And I think that, more men, if they knew how much that would improve your partner's life by allowing her to get there and how much that in turn improves your relationship, I think most guys would be begging to take the baby and push their, their wives. Now, I know this and I know that I've connected those dots a long time ago and Katrina and I understand that we even to today like we there's times where things need to get done in the house and maybe normally that she would be handling it but because she had a lot going on at work she wasn't able to get to her workout yet I was able to and just because she normally handles those things in the house doesn't mean I just sit back and let her handle that I recognize that our relationship is is 10 times better when she gets to the gym the gym has had so many benefits and not just the gym but I mean exercise has so much benefits uh, besides the weight loss and muscle gaining uh, sides of it. There's so many other things that happen hormonally, stress-wise. And so I, it's important to me that she gets that exercise for the betterment of her as a mother, for her as a partner, for us as a team. Like, So I think, I think more dads or more men would be more apt to do that if they realize that it isn't just a calories in, calories out, or a losing weight or building muscle type thing. And it's like, man, if, if you just knew how much it would improve your relationship, the, the one hour of sacrifice of watching the kid to allow her to go do her thing is going to pay you back tenfold uh, by allowing her or getting her out to do those things. So true. Love it. Such great advice. So where can we find out more about you and where your programs are, where you're located? Well, the 30 days of coaching that's free uh, is at mindpumpmedia.com. So you can find that there. If you're interested in the MAPS starter uh, program, which is probably the most appropriate program for uh, a new mom, uh, you can find that at mapsfitnessproducts.com. Um, our podcast is obviously Mind Pump. We also have a YouTube channel. So if you want to do exercises at home and you want good instruction, 
Uh, you can find our YouTube channel. It's Mind Pump TV. And then we also offer lots and lots of free resources, uh, resources on how to train particular body parts like your arms or your midsection or your legs, resources on how to do better at certain exercises like squatting, for example, resources on things from fat loss, the muscle building, and they're all free. These are, these are guides that you can download and read and they cost nothing. And you can find all those at mindpumpfree.com. Hope you enjoyed the episode with the guys from Mind Pump. I really love how their approach is based on behavioral psychology and figuring out the minimal effective dose. What can we do to get ourselves moving in terms of fitness? And realizing that it doesn't have to be this large leap in jumping into an extreme fitness plan. It could be as simple as picking up walking or starting a new weightlifting routine twice a week, and you can build from there. So I, I love what they're doing. If you are interested in checking out a fitness program, I highly recommend it. I have a couple of their programs myself. And I also want to thank our podcast partner today, Tessie Mays. If you are digging the everything but the bagel seasoning from Trader Joe's, or I know they have it at now at, at Costco in bulk, you will absolutely love that dressing from Tessie Mays. So please give it a shot. I would love to see you enjoying it and simplifying your meal prep. And as a reminder, you can use code WHOLEMAMAS15, that's W-H-O-L-E-M-A-M-A-S 15, for 15% off your entire purchase at tessiemaze.com, now through September 30th. If you enjoyed this episode, please help us out by sharing our podcast with your mama friends and writing us a review on iTunes. Let us know what you enjoyed about this episode and help us grow our village. You can also visit our website, wholemamasclub.com forward slash podcast to review show notes, find past episodes, and leave comments and questions for future shows. And please remember that the views and ideas presented on this podcast are for informational purposes only. All information, content, and material presented on this podcast is not intended to serve as a substitute for the consultation, diagnosis, and or medical treatment of a qualified physician or healthcare provider. Consult your provider before starting any diet, supplement regimen, or to determine the appropriateness of the information shared on this podcast, or if you have, have any questions regarding pediatrics, pregnancy, or your prenatal treatment plan. Now go on, have a great day, and nourish and nurture yourself and your family. Mm-hmm.